welcome to Episode 7 of Immigration Briefs, a podcast that reviews the latest immigration news every week. I'm your host, Adam Frank, and let's dive right in. Our first quick take this week deals with asylum rates. The rate of asylum cases being approved has increased since President Biden has taken office. In fiscal year 2020, the rate was about 29% of cases that were filed were being approved. In fiscal year 2021, that rose to 37%. Considering that the rise in approvals only started after President Biden was sworn in on January 21st, 2021, the actual rise in approval rates is even higher. In the last quarter of the Obama presidency, the approval rating was about 44%. While this may seem high, it is also important to note that many more cases are approved by immigration judges than USCIS. Lastly, it should also be noted that due to COVID, court shutdowns, and backlogs, the actual number of cases approved was only 8,349, which is half the number of cases that were granted in fiscal year 2020. So even though the rate of approval is higher, a lower number of cases have been adjudicated. We're hopeful that this will turn around in fiscal year 2022. Our second quick take is with immigration reform. In a new poll, 75% of Americans backed the immigration reform provisions of the Build Back Better legislation, and only 20% opposed the provisions, leaving 5% undecided. This shows strong bipartisan support for immigration reform. Looking solely at Republican support, even there, a majority, 59%, support the immigration provisions, while only 39% are opposed. According to the article, this poll is in line with several other recent polls showing the same level of support across the board. This is important because it shows that Americans support this legislation and hopefully will get the senators to back it as well. Another article talking about immigration reform discussed the fact that it has now been 35 years since the last time Congress was able to enact legislation to legalize undocumented immigrants. It's clearly time to pass new legislation. Our next issue deals with border enforcement. While many Republicans claim that we have so-called open borders now, whatever they mean by that exactly, and they point to the fact that nearly 1.7 million apprehensions on the border occurred by CBP, the statistic that they failed to cite is that over 1 million of those detentions led to immediate expulsions under the Title 42 pandemic expulsion policy. Only one in three apprehensions led to a person being permitted access to the asylum process. Just under 250,000 people, mostly families, have been directly released at the border with a notice to appear. Why are people still stating that we have open borders and that there are millions of people being released when the facts clearly show that's not the case? One word. Politics. 
For those who are interested, in a previous episode, we also discussed the percentage of people, which was well over 95%, who are issued a notice to show at the border who actually do show up for the court cases. Another major issue on the border is what happens to those allowed in the U.S., but detained by ICE while awaiting their day in immigration court. Studies have shown that immigrants represented by an attorney in court are 10 times more likely to win their case. Yet, over 70% of detained immigrants went without an attorney to their court hearing. While the fact that those in immigration proceedings are not guaranteed an attorney, as are those in criminal proceedings, is a major factor here, Another factor is that ICE is doing its best to stop people from contacting attorneys in any case. First, they are locating their detention facilities far from cities and in such rural areas that there are no immigration attorneys nearby. Second, they have then limited detained persons' access to email and phones, preventing them from actually even finding an attorney. Third, even when a detained person has an attorney, ICE makes it difficult for them to talk via phone. It can take one to two weeks for ICE to allow an attorney to schedule a call with a detainee. Legal service providers who are volunteering their time to help are limited to 20 minutes in talking with detainees to do intakes to place them with attorneys. Another ICE facility that only accepts requests from attorneys to schedule calls via fax has refused refused to replace its broken fax machine. Paperwork is not delivered to detainees. Attorney-client rooms have been used for other purposes such as storage, and the list goes on and on. It is simply un-American for ICE to do such things. We would simply not stand for it if the police systemically denied people the right to contact their attorney. Yet ICE does this every day, and we ignore it. Things must change. The next article talks about the lifting of the travel ban. In some good news, the U.S. has formally lifted the pandemic travel bans and opened its doors to international travelers again. All fully vaccinated travelers can now come to the U.S. A negative COVID test is also required. This puts the U.S. in line with most other countries and is welcome relief to both those traveling to the U.S. from other countries to see loved ones or work and those traveling from the U.S. to other countries who are here in non-immigrant status who no longer have to worry about whether they will be able to get back to the U.S. or not. It's important to remember that the U.S. will accept your vaccination record as long as it is one of the vaccines approved for emergency use by the World Health Organization. That includes just not those approved by the U.S., but also the AstraZeneca vaccine as well. Our last short topic is the changing EB3 cutoff dates for India. Annual limits on immigration visa numbers combined with processing delays and wasted numbers 
mean even longer waits for people to become U.S. permanent residents. In November, the cutoff date for visa eligibility retrogressed, moved backward in time, for people born in India who are in the employment-based third preference category for skilled workers, professionals, and other workers. The Department of State does not expect any forward movement for the India EB3 category for the rest of fiscal year 2022. Now, in fiscal year 2022, the annual limit for EB immigrant visas became approximately 280,000, double the normal limit, as DOS determined that about 140,000 family-based visas went unused in fiscal year 2021. In October 2021, the first month of fiscal year 2022, the final action cutoff date for India EB3 was January 1st, 2014, which was also the cutoff date in September 2021, the last month of fiscal year 2020. However, in November 2021, the final action cutoff date for India EB3 became January 15th, 2012. So what's causing this backlog? It's a combination of the sheer number of cases in the India backlog and the incompetence of USCIS in adjudicating cases, as well as the inability of Congress to fix our immigration laws. Through the old cutoff date in 2014, the DOS projects that there are at least 45,000 EB3 India cases alone. In terms of the incompetence of USCIS, last fiscal year, USCIS failed to use any of the additional almost 100,000 employment-based immigrant visa numbers. Failed to use any of them. Lastly, in terms of Congress, if Congress would finally just make visa numbers apply only to the principal applicant and not to their dependents, the whole visa backlog would disappear. Now our On to our main topic, which is talking about the employment authorization lawsuits and recent settlements. For those who are unaware, there have recently been two lawsuits brought against USCIS on its inability to adjudicate employment authorization applications in a reasonable amount of time. The first lawsuit brought in September of this year was on behalf of H-4 and L-2 non-immigrant visa holders. H-4 visa holders are the dependents of H-1B visa holders, and L-2 non-immigrant visa holders are the dependents of L-1 visa holders. And they're both allowed to apply for employment authorization in certain circumstances. For L-2s, it seemed to be pretty clear in the statute that they should be granted the ability to work incident to their status, meaning that there was no need for them to apply for work authorization. However, USCIS always insisted that they required them to apply for work authorization card, and it would take months, recently between 10 and 20 months, for them to issue these cards. Through the lawsuit, USCIS finally agreed to adhere to the interpretation put forth by the plaintiffs. So from now on, L2s will have the ability to work incident to their status. For H4 visa holders, 
The requirement to apply for work authorization is real. They must do so. However, the issue came for those seeking to renew their employment authorization. Under current law, you can apply to renew a benefit only six months ahead of its expiration. However, it's currently taking USCIS at least a year, if not longer, to approve work authorization applications in this category and other categories. And USCIS indicated to the American Immigration Lawyers Association that this time frame may double. While USCIS has a policy for certain work authorization renewals that allow those to file in a timely manner, meaning prior to the expiration of their previous one, to work for up to 180 days after the expiration of that previous employment authorization, it was never extended to H-4s. Even if it was, that 180 days now is simply inadequate. Because of the lawsuit, now those in H-4 status who filed to renew their work authorization are allowed to continue working pursuant to that filed work authorization until the new application is approved. So not only did they gain the benefit of the law that says you can continue working for up to 180 days, USCIS actually agreed to even extend that and allow them to work until the new application is approved. The second lawsuit was brought at the end of October. This lawsuit was for those who filed employment authorization based on a pending adjustment of status, as well as dependents of E2 who filed for employment authorization. The issues faced are the same as those for H4 dependents. Huge time for lines, a year or more, where they can only apply six months before the expiration, and then they only get a 180-day extension. Many people in this situation who are renewing their employment authorization, who filed an adjustment, who have followed all the rules, are out of work because USCIS has failed to approve these work authorization applications in 10 months even, or a year even. This lawsuit at this point in time is still pending. We're very hopeful that the lawsuit will lead to at least two improvements. First, that renewal applicants will be able to work while the application is pending and until the new application is approved, removing that 180-day limit. Second, that initial applications will approved, be approved quickly, back to the three- to four-month period that they were at for years before this latest backlog occurred. USCIS has indicated that it only takes 14 minutes to adjudicate an employment application and produce the card. To be honest, this even, even that 14 minutes seems high, especially for renewals. Realistically, there's no reason for them not to be able to automatically issue at least the initial employment authorization as well as renewals. After all, if the person ends up being ineligible for the green card, that's not going to be determined until they actually adjudicate the I-485, which is still down the road. Why not just issue them the employment authorization? Thousands of people are losing their jobs because of these delays. With the current labor shortage, 
This also means that companies who are already short-staffed are having to do without even more employees at a time they can ill afford it. Not only does this affect immigrants, it affects our whole economy. And we're very hopeful that this lawsuit will fix this. Thank you for joining me for another episode. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at immigrationbriefs.com. Music is provided by Steve Combs. The name of the song is Newsbreaks. And I hope to talk to you again next week. Until then, ciao.